Camp, Camp, Camp Radio. Camp Radio. Camp Welcome Radio. to Camp Radio, a podcast production of TN Baptist Camps, the official camps and conference centers of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. Camp Radio, discussing trends and issues that will encourage ministries and churches in their efforts to impact people for Christ. To learn more about TN Baptist Camps, visit us at tnbaptistcamps.org. Now, today's Camp Radio. Thank you for joining us on Camp Radio. My name is Kevin Peerage, and I'll be your host. As we are living in a world that is increasingly rejecting the good news of Christ, the need to equipping believers in the local church is very vital. Uh, we have with us Rock Collins. Rock Collins is the Director of Strategic Objectives for the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. Rock, thank you for joining us. Hey, my joy. Thank you, Kevin. Well, Rock, I've known you for a while. Yes. And uh, since uh, Carson Newman. Yes, sir. So That's about two or three years yeah, ago. Yeah, just a couple of years ago. <laughs> we were Carson Newman not too, not too long ago. What You said about 15 years ago, which is, you know, I didn't really think about how long that's been, but it's been a while. Yeah, more like 30. Actually, it has been more like 30 because it was before I was married and I've been married 30 years. And I will be married 30 this year. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy, isn't it? I know. Time flies. I know. Well, and it's been an honor, Bill, to serve uh, alongside of you in the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board for uh, the last few years. You've been with the board for how long? Five years. I came in 2017. Well, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Uh, I did go to Carson Newman and had a great experience there, and then I went to New Orleans Seminary and was able to receive my education there and had a great experience. And God has been faithful, gave me a wife while I was living in Louisiana. And Gerilyn and I have been married for 30 years this July, so 29 plus now. Uh, we have two boys. My oldest son is Roe, R-O, and he works at Carson Newman. And he, was, he's a, he graduated from Carson Newman as well. But now he's back there working in admissions and doing recruiting for the college. And then my youngest son, Noah, uh, just started seminary at New Orleans. And so he started in August and Lord's called into ministry. So that's exciting. And I have pastored a number of churches in Mississippi and Louisiana, Virginia, and then in Tennessee, most recently, uh, I was in Kingsport for 11 years. And then God called me here to Tennessee Baptist Mission Board five years ago. So you're an East Tennessee boy. Yes, that's that's home. That's where my family roots are. Big UT fan, right? And bleed orange. <laughs> well, I wanted us to talk about evangelism. Of course, that's your your area within the convention. And, and as being an evangelist uh, over the years, uh, that's your passion. It is. It is. The, the strategic objectives that I am over is... First and foremost, 50,000 baptized and set on the road discipleship annually. We want to see that happen. And then the other areas are related. Uh, we, we're working on 500 churches being revitalized, 1,000 new churches planted, and our cooperative program getting to 10% on the average across the board with our churches in their annual giving, and then $3 million to Golden Offering to Tennessee Missions. So those are the five objectives I'm responsible for. But as you stated well, evangelism is my number one. Seeing those 50,000 people annually coming to know Christ, follow him in believer's baptism, set on the road to discipleship, and that's my heart. That That's what I want to see happen. And to me, that drives all of the other objectives. Of course, uh, it, those who are listening are not Southern Baptists. Yes. Uh, for If you don't know, 
the these are objectives for our convention, but for our state, convention. our state convention, yes, sir. But the uh, local churches is autonomous, and so they make their own decisions. Yes, sir. We just encourage them and uh, ask them to come alongside us together because we can do more together than single. Absolutely, and we try to come along to be a resource, to be an encourager, uh, and and it is a goal to see that many people come to Christ and follow Him in baptism. Uh, so. We need every church we can find to join with us. Well, let's talk about lostness. Okay. I know that there, there may be some churches that are very ruled and secluded and don't realize our world's changed over the years. I, I feel like more so in the past 10 years, maybe. I think so. There's more lostness than ever before. And as as the world continues to grow, I don't know, as um, having older parents, they're was a certain element of these values and traditions that we grew up with. And so, but uh, what has happened, just like all through Scripture, is that the parents teach less about the importance of a relationship with God, and those kids teach less and less and less. And here we are, uh, like Israel, uh, in the same place. Yes, sir. <laughs> and so uh, so we have a state, our, we're looking at our state, full of lost people. Well, we do. And Kevin, if we look at the state of Tennessee, we have almost 7 million residents. And our best statistics tell us that we are approaching 4 million of the seven that do not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That That's coming out of somewhere in the neighborhood of 56% that know not Jesus Christ. Those are folks, how do you get in that category? Well, you have no church affiliation and you have no faith that you speak of. To say 56%, it's it's heartbreaking. I know you and I love our beloved Tennessee here. Uh, it's heartbreaking to think we're not a Christian state. And it's heartbreaking if you look at it from the understanding that if it's 56%, if we're even close, one out of every two Tennesseans are lost without Jesus. And uh, probably and realistically, it's, it's a lot. Uh, there's a lot more who are lost. Very probably. Yes, sir. So we know that we live we live in a, a lost world. We live in a world in which it, it, Satan has deceived uh, millions of people in uh, cults, uh, in disbelief and rejection. How do we attack that? What do we do as believers? Well, first of all, we need to be sure of our own salvation. We need to be sure we have a solid foundation. We're trusting in the Lord. We've placed our faith in the Lord. I was talking to someone just a, a short time ago, and we were talking about witnessing and how to share faith. And and I told them what I tell in every time I do a conference. The most important thing I can tell you about being a witness is you must be saved yourself. And if you don't know you're saved, it's going to be hard to tell somebody else about your relationship with Jesus when you don't have one. And so I'm a firm believer that I can teach you different uh, methods. I can give you tracks. Uh, I can give you information. You can memorize scripture. But the bottom line is a lost world is not interested in what I know as much as do I know who I'm talking about. And so how to be an effective witness is simply, simply stated, tell others what Jesus did for you. And that doesn't take a lot of preparation. I mean, did he do something or not? If he saved your soul and has regenerated your life, forgiven you of your sin, made you whole in him, 
then you're ready to tell somebody else about Jesus. Well, what do I tell them? You tell them what happened to you. Well, how did I, how do I tell them to do that? Tell them what you did. According to scripture, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. On the third day, God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. And we know that that's not just a simple giving lip service, but rather it is us believing in our heart with such a depth of conviction that our lips can't help but utter, he is Lord. Well, and there's a lot of pastors out there, probably maybe they're listening, they're saying, okay, so um, um, this is not my strength. I'm a little intimidated about teaching uh, my congregation uh, this. You know, and something, and when I went to seminary, my prayer all through seminary was, Lord, give me a passion for the lost. You know, it's easy to, to do the work of the ministry and and lose your sight on your purpose. Yes, sir. And so that that has, after I left I, uh, seminary and graduated and moved on, that passion stuck with me. But you had to continue to, to ask God to keep that passion in your heart. I'm fearful that, as I heard one brother say, Sometimes we get so busy doing church work that we forget to do the work of the church. And the work of the church is telling a lost world that Jesus saves. And I know that many people will say, well, I'm not, I don't have the gift of evangelism. I, I don't believe evangelism is a gift. The Bible speaks of an evangelist as a, an office of the church, but I don't believe in evangelism as a gift. I believe it is an opportunity and a privilege and yes, a responsibility for all who know Jesus Christ. And so some may be gifted at being able to present the gospel in a more effective way than someone else, but the gift of evangelism is is not really a giftedness as it were. It's, it's us just telling the story of what Jesus did for us. And I've heard people who were not very exciting, not very flamboyant and they had, you probably heard it in seminary too, a vanilla testimony. It wasn't one of those that you're like, wow, you did what? But they got saved and it's effective because you're telling what happened to you. And so I, rec- I recognize there are many, and, and even in the pastorate, who say, I'm just, I'm not a gifted evangelist. Well, the fact is you have to practice. There's no way around that. You have to practice. And as a preacher of the gospel, the first place you practice you know, if you're not doing it out in the street, you at least ought to be doing it in the pulpit. And so you ought to be giving an invitation where you invite people to Christ throughout your message. And I've found that no matter where I'm preaching, from Genesis to Revelation, there's always room to present Jesus Christ because we can find him from the beginning to the end because he is the beginning and the end. Uh, so presenting the gospel when we preach, uh, there's nothing greater that we'll ever teach or preach than understanding what it means to be a Christian and how to come to to know Christ. But then the power of it is when you practice that outside the pulpit and the people in the pew see that you're telling others about Jesus. And that inspires them to be witnesses too. You know, Kevin, for a long time as a pastor, I, I would hold back telling all of my witnessing experiences from the pulpit because I didn't want somebody to look at me and say, oh, look at the preacher. He does it so easy. And and, and I found out they want to hear that I'm doing it, number one. And number two, I shared with them when I witnessed and somebody did not get saved. To be honest, that's probably more honest. You know, If all we do is share when people get saved, we're not telling the whole story. 
because I've shared the gospel plenty of times and people just looked at me and walked off or, you know, told me where to go, whatever. Uh, but the fact is that happens and it's okay. My responsibility is not for them to be saved. My responsibility is to present the gospel. It's the Lord Jesus that does the same. Exactly. That should be the thing that uh, should take away the fear because it's not it's not us. No, sir. Uh, not saying that we don't need to be prepared and, and have some passages of Scripture memorized and things like that, but it is you can be as dry as dirt, but the Holy Spirit's the one that moves, and so we just let him use our mouth. That's right. and I mean, Jesus told his disciples, hey, I'm going to go and you're going to be coming before judges and magistrates and everybody. But take no thought for in that very hour, the Holy Spirit will give you utterance. And I don't know how many times I've been witnessing to people and, and the Lord just, it was obvious. I was like, where did this come from? Uh, or, or you maybe you've had this experience, Kevin. I've been sharing with folks and about halfway through my presentation, I'm like, this is terrible. I don't believe I could get saved, and I'm the one presenting it. This is the worst presentation of the gospel I've ever heard. And they get saved. And the Lord just reminds me, I didn't need you. I let you be here. And so I'm so glad it's about his work. We just need to be obedient to let him use us. So as a pastor, how does he uh, equip his own staff? Because easily, if you have a pastor has a passion for the lost, then not only that pastor, but it's their other pastors within at the church will they'll just kind of it'll, it'll overflow into their ministries too, right? Well, we hope that there will be some overflow, but we still have to help even our staff members catch what it means to be evangelistic. I believe that an evangelistic heart is not as much taught as it is caught. And once you experience what it's like to lead someone to Christ, and so as an evangelistic pastor, I want to challenge my staff weekly, are you witnessing to somebody? And just have those questions when you have a staff meeting, weekly or monthly or whatever you choose, and just say, okay, we're going to go around the room and everybody share somebody that you shared Jesus with. Now, now look, we didn't say somebody that got saved. Are you sharing Jesus? I can promise you if we don't share faith, nobody's going to get saved. Uh, and some will say, well, I have a different soteriology. I have a different understanding of what salvation. Well, you can have any belief you want to, but the Bible tells us we're supposed to go tell. And so we ought to be about that. So giving some accountability. Now, if your staff is not, you know, if you go a couple months and there's two or three of them who say, well, I didn't, I didn't share with anybody, you may want to sit down with, with your staff as a whole and go over uh, some practical ways to share their faith. Uh, so there's some teaching there that is involved. Uh, and certainly we want to educate our people. But again, once they experience it, I, I've never met anybody who led someone to Christ who wasn't just, it's contagious. You just won't tell somebody else. I think also encouraging our staff to be in their community being Jesus. Uh, Kevin, when I pastored my last church, I was there for 11 years. And one Sunday, I'll never forget, we had 12 people who joined the church in one Sunday, which was, that was big. And three families, and one of the families had a son who played football with my oldest son on the middle school football team. And the other two families had girls who were cheerleaders for his team. I had met all those families in the stands. Just started talking to them as another parent. And 
as I began to talk with them and build a relationship, they automatically, we start talking about church and they come and become a part of the fellowship and we're wonderful, strong, godly people who were looking for a place to fit. And I learned from that that I'm supposed to be Jesus in my community in every aspect I can, just being me, but who Jesus made me to be. And I mean, hey, I'm a proud parent. I'm up there yelling for my kid. And, you know, I had one that played football and one in the band. I yelled for her, for both of them. Uh, I tried to not be obnoxious, but I was yelling for my kid. And I was real. And I saw more people come to Christ and come to be a part of our church because they saw the preacher was a real person. Right. Well, and, and a pastor, they really should be engaged in our community. And, of course, I'm I'm speaking to this on uh, one side of it, not the other, but, you know, having children in school, and my wife uh, had opportunities she could be involved in the school and classes. We get to know a lot of families, a lot of teachers, and, of course, we're in a small community anyway, and everybody kind of knows everybody, and and uh, and so that opens up a lot of doors. It really does. But you but you have to be really engaged and actually know these people. You do, and and Kevin, that was one thing that I impressed. We had an elementary school right beside our church, and then we had our we had a number of high schools, but our closest one was two miles away, and most of our kids went to that high school, and so I got our student minister, our children's minister. I said, these are our schools. Now, we're going to reach kids. We want them from everywhere. We don't care where to go to school. But these schools, because of the proximity of where they're located, we're going to invest in. And so we did things for the teachers and the students at the elementary school. We did it at the high school. I fed the football team for 10 years every Friday afternoon. Because it was only two miles, they would come to my fellowship hall. We'd feed them a meal. And because they're in our house, I got to present the gospel every Friday. We saw people get saved. I, I had untelling how many families became a part of our church because they saw we cared about their kids. Uh, I even I, I would pray with the football teams on Friday night, and I'd stand on the sidelines with them and, and just was there. I mean, I was just – I wasn't doing anything. I was just there. But it impacted my community because they said, man, that preacher cares about our kids. Well, we had a school shooting. The principal called me. And I go down there. The principal said, I want you to come down here. And I go down there. And, I mean, it was like an act of Congress, all the police I had to go through to get in. But but I was the one they wanted because we had a relationship. And you don't have to go in and tell everybody how they're doing everything wrong and show how spiritual you are. Just be you and show that you care about the people in your community. It will open untelling how many doors. There's all kinds of different ways to be able to uh, begin to equip and train uh, your your staff and at your church or in as well as in within your church your congregation. So what does a, a pastor do if he's thinking, okay, I understand that in my community there's lostness. Um, and, and by the way, communities are different than it was 10 years ago. Absolutely. So within probably those who are listening around or even our communities, we don't have the typical American families around. We have people from all over the world that have all kinds of beliefs that we grew up, did not grow up knowing anything about. 
And so here we are trying to, to witness to them, and we're a little lost of how, where do we start. Uh, so how do we go about that? How do we train our people, our staff? Number one, you train them by doing, and how do we do it? If you're going to get involved in your community, you've got to step out and get involved in your community. Be places. I still, I'm, I'm old-fashioned, and I believe, and, and it was true pretty much in the, the places I grew up, and even where I've had the privilege to pastor, the two most common places people gathered was school and church. Now, it's less church to that, but they're still going to school. And as long as you have bands put together with students and you have athletic teams put together with students, debate teams, drama teams, you're going to have gatherings. Well, be there. Buy a meal for the teachers. Uh, go to the principal and say, I just want you to know we're here if we can ever be of a help to you. Uh, there's a church in, in Nashville, and every year before school, they go to the school and they say, what can we do to help you get prepared for students come? They go in and paint. They do landscaping free just because they, they say, we want to love our community. And as a result, when there are needs, they know who to reach out to. So you've made yourself known. So they may start off with building relationships. Building relationships, absolutely. And some of them, many of them are lost. Go love them. And that's what I want to talk about in the next step as far as folks who have come from other cultures. Uh, we have people moving into Tennessee from all over the country. And some of them are pretty different cultures than what we're used to, especially in East Tennessee. Uh, at the same time, these folks, they're still people. And the one thing that people respond to is kindness. And so how do we begin to build a relationship? We just show some kindness. I've got a neighbor that I'm trying to, to witness to right now. Well, at Christmas, we took them a cake. Uh, you know, we're just showing kindness. We're trying to get in that door, trying to get an opportunity to earn the right to have enough relationship to share the most important and most wonderful news on the face of God's earth, and that's that Jesus loves them. So especially when we're looking at folks from different cultures, different belief systems, before we can tell them about Jesus, we're going to have to be Jesus, be Jesus to them. How would Jesus respond? I, I'm taking so much with the thought of that woman at the well and she had been through so many broken relationships she knew what it was like to be hurt and she obviously knew what it was like to be an outcast and Jesus just loved her he just cared about her he asked her for water a Jew asking a Samaritan woman for water a Jew asking this woman for water and her being a woman of not very high reputation but he just loved her and somehow, Kevin, people still respond when you care about them. Yeah. Yeah. I, if you're if you're an athlete guy or a sports guy, coach a team. Find a local team in your neighborhood that needs a basketball coach or whatever. Be a coach. That that's a name I bore. I was coach for a while, and I loved it. Loved being with the kids, and the parents knew that I loved them. And when you love those kids, you know, maybe you'll be a band parent or a homeroom parent. I, I just think we cannot get away from we got to be where people are. So I said the church and school are the most popular places. Uh, Walmart's a real popular place. Everybody goes to Walmart. Everybody goes to the grocery store at some point. You know, just be nice when you're in there. You'd be amazed if you go to the same grocery store, how many times you'll have the same person checking you out.
the same person at the door greeting you or what have you. Build a relationship with them. Let them know that you care. The bank, when you go to the bank, let them know you care. Well, in the last, uh, through COVID, uh, people are, are, they are receptive. They are, they're, they're feeling uh, lost. They, they're questioning more so than ever before. And so it'd be difficult for me to, to say that people are not receptive to the gospel anymore. Well, that's not true right now. People are open to hear some good news. Absolutely. You know, and so, but they can't hear it unless somebody shares it. That's right. And I think COVID gives us a great opportunity to say in a conversation, you know, this COVID stuff's serious. They'll agree with you. And you say, well, a lot of people are dying from it. You know, if that should be you, are you ready? I mean, there's a simple lead-in, and that opens up a whole plethora of conversations. And they're already thinking about that. Absolutely. And they want to know if you have an answer. Because a lot of people say, well, I don't know. You know, I hope so. I've tried to be good. That's a pretty good sign they don't know Jesus. Because anybody who knows Jesus is not thinking, well, I'm pretty good. Because they realize they are not good. They are nothing. They are nobody. Unworthy, unrighteous, undeserving. But thanks be to God, he poured out his grace on us through Jesus Christ on the cross. So what, uh, what resources can we find to help these pastors? Well, we have all kinds of resources at Tennessee Baptist Mission Board, from tracks uh, to different uh, books that we could offer. We, we have a great book. It's a new book called Winning Our Harvest Field. And we just don't believe we can win Tennessee as a whole harvest field unless each church wins their own harvest field. And so it's simply, it's simply seven very simple steps. It's just a, some suggestions. It's, it's not a program. It's nothing like that. It just gives you some ideas. And here's what I found, Kevin. A lot of people are doing the things in this book because this was written by seven different pastors. And a lot of churches are doing these. They're just not intentional about it. There's a lot of churches who have a school nearby and they take breakfast to their teachers once a year. Okay, that's great. But let that be an opening of a door for you to tell them how much you love and care for them. It's not just, here's a, here's a donut. Uh, and so this just kind of talks about some of those ways to be intentional. But the very first step, and I believe it, it ought to be in all of our lives, if we're going to be effective witnesses, is we've got to pray and seek God's face. The more we know him, the more we can speak of him, and the more he will be revealed in and through our lives. The more we talk to him, the better we know him, the better we will be equipped to share his love with other people. And the more we know him, the more we look like him and act like him, others will see Jesus in us. So what, uh, uh, where can we go? Is there, there's an app, right? Uh, there is. It's called the Reaching app. And you can just go in the app store and find that. Uh, also, you can come to our website, TBMB, which is the initials of Tennessee Baptist Mission Board, tbmb.org. And on that page, when you come to our web page, if you look for the five objectives, that's my area. Number one is evangelism and seeing people baptized and following the Lord in discipleship. And we have resources there, and we're working on even updating that so it'll be easier to navigate. And there's, there's something we talked about, uh, another uh, app that's available that's not a, a TBMB app, but that is called? We have a program called Pray for Tennessee, Pray Number 4. TN. 
and you can go to that, prayfortennessee.com. That's what it is. And you can go, and it's really more than Tennessee. It's with a uh, an app called Bless This Bless Your Home, and you put your address in, and it gives you a uh, hundred of your closest neighbors uh, from the census. So I mean, they know who's there, and every day you'll get five. You'll get five of those names, and you can pray for your neighbors by name. And over the course of a month, you'll have a hundred that are given to you, and they come like one thirty or two a.m. in the morning. And so when you get up in the morning, there's your neighbors to pray for. Well, what's awesome about it is that that you get to know who your neighbors are, because I don't know, you know, that's uh, there's not many people. It's not like it used to be. Most people in communities, if you live in a neighborhood, you probably don't know half the people in your neighborhood. Well, this gives you opportunity. It gives you some names. And that that gives you a, a beginning foot in the door to say, hey, uh, aren't you such and such? I'm your neighbor. And at least you kind of already began to make a contact. Absolutely. And you can say you're praying for them. Yeah, you can say I'm praying for you. And even when you see them say, hey, I, I'm praying for you. Is there anything particular I can pray for you about? And that tells you a lot about where they are spiritually. Because if somebody looks at you and says, no, nah, I really don't need you to pray for anything. Well, they must not know what prayer is about because I need prayer every day, Brother Kevin. I need somebody praying for me all the time. Uh, so that tells you a lot when you ask somebody that question. Right. Well, Rock, I really appreciate you taking a few minutes and Bill, my joy. Let's talk about evangelism. You know, and and I know this is your heart, and it should be, uh, it should be our passion for every believer, and that's what we really want to emphasize here. And if you don't have a passion, you need to pray for it. Amen. But. Uh, uh, and, and I appreciate you sharing some resources. And once again, if you, you go to TBMB website and you'll be able to you'll be able to find some of those resources that are available. Uh, thank you for those who are listening to our podcast today. And if you're listening on iTunes or SoundCloud, I hope that you'll follow us or just maybe leave a comment that helps to encourage others to listen to this great resource. Uh, we would love to hear from you. So if you have a question for Rock or what we do at TM Baptist Camps, please send us an email at ccinfo at tmbaptist.org. Until next time, I hope that you look for opportunities to start a conversation about Christ with someone you know. Thanks for listening to Camp Radio, a podcast production of TN Baptist Camps, the official camps and conference centers of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. This and other episodes can be downloaded from tnbaptistcamps.org. The ministries of Carson Springs and Linden Valley are supported through the cooperative program and gifts received through the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions. For more information, visit tnbaptistcamps.org.